0: Hello there and welcome to Mountain Talk. I'm your host, Rachel Geringer. For this episode, I was joined in the studio by Sandlick Fire Chief Mike Ambergy and Kings Creek Fire Chief Bill Mead. They talked about the many public services that volunteer fire departments provide, the funding crisis that they're facing, and the unique importance that volunteer fire departments play in rural communities.
1: Okay, I'm Mike Ambergy. I'm the Fire Chief at Sound Lake Volunteer Fire Department. I live a couple of miles away from the fire department. And that's generally about all I do. Um,
2: my name is Bill Meade. I'm Chief of Kings Creek Fire Department. I live about a mile and three-eighths uh, south of our fire department. And uh, we just, uh, basically my family is the one established our fire department and donated the property and everything to build it on. and That was in 1982, and we've been there ever since.
0: All right, great. And so, um, I think to start, maybe I'm curious. It seems like you all do a lot more than just fight fires, and so I wonder if you could sort of describe what the what the fire departments do in the county.
1: Okay, we we are like a public service. We do a lot of public service. Like uh, wintertime comes, uh, big snows and stuff. We go out. Uh, people call us. We go take food to them sometimes we we'll go out and get their medicine for them uh, we take in sometimes propane or you know kerosene whatever they're heating with uh, we open our we open our building up as a shelter uh, if you got a power shortage outage for you know a week of time you know the older people have got to have a place to stay warm we open our place up for you know a shelter like that uh, in the wintertime you get a lot of ice and stuff you got a lot of trees in the road wind storms come through you got a lot of trees in the road we go out and cut those trees out of the road we keep the we cut it out to where we keep the traffic flowing we don't completely clear it because that's the state's department does that but we will cut an opening where ambulances fire trucks uh, people get out and go to work school buses can get through whatever you know we try to we try to keep it where it don't we can maintain everything in the flow without having to shut everything down uh, we work a lot of car wrecks we uh all kinds of different stuff uh flooding we we go and help people put in uh pumps in and pump basements out uh if we got the roads flooded a lot of times we go block the roads keep people from you know driving in getting drowned, and so on uh we we host a lot of different stuff uh the fire department that i belong to and the one i run we don't have an ambulance service but we have a bunch of emts on duty we have, we have a rescue truck there. It's got all EMS equipment on it. So when we get to the scene, we can go ahead and get the patient packaged. That way it, uh, it helps the EMS get the patient to the hospital quicker, which you know, the quicker they get there, the better off they are. Uh, we also can call in uh, the life ambulances, the helicopters, what we call them. And we got LZ set up all over the county. And if we got a real bad tragedy, car wreck, or something going on, we go ahead and set the LZs up and get it ready for the helicopter to land. There's just so much more we can do, and, and uh, Bill can tell you a lot more about the, some of the other personal services we do. But we're all-time busy. Uh, firefighting fighting don't just mean fighting far in this day and time. Now we, we've got so much more added to it, you know, like public service stuff. Uh, we stay busy, and the fire department... We, we're we having some rough times right now. Some of them are staying, keeping the doors open and stuff, and we'll get into that a little later, I'm sure. But that's pretty much what we do. We do a lot of perfect service and stuff, and Bill can elaborate on some stuff that right? he likes to talk about. But, you know, I'll let him talk.
2: Uh, <clears throat> Kings Creek Park Department is also a community center. We have a gymnasium in our building that uh, for the kids to come and play ball. Or We ran out to... Uh, most of the time, it either rent it or get let them do it for free. Birthday parties, uh, family reunions, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, we do uh, if you need, to, like Mike was talking about in the wintertime or when power outages, which we have a lot of here. We loan generators. We have generators we loan and we take, and we also pump water from basements. And, and we're in a flood-prone area where I, <clears throat> excuse me, where my part. Department is, and uh, ever floods, there's uh, two or three homes that we have to go to and help, and we we pleased to do it. It's just part of our game, part of what we do. We also uh, we uh, go to help with car wrecks or whatever they need us to do in that manner. But we don't have any uh, ambulance service either, so we we assist the lecture if they need us or me on whoever needs us in that line. We're willing to go and help. So and mike uh stanley and kings creek is real work good working relationship between those two departments uh seem like if i need something I, I know mike's on his way and mike knows if he needs something he knows we're on our way so and that makes it work real good and not only the two together we we go to any department it don't matter who it is uh, where it is if they want us we'll go and i think that's uh the way we handle everything we've got a good setup in the county we just need to manage to keep it as it is if we can get the financial aid to help us do that and it's really hard to raise the money and uh, keep our departments all going but uh, i think that we can actually do a much better job if we can get a little bit more help out of the local government and out of the state agencies and a little farther down i guess we'll talk about what's going on on october the 6th so You can ask some questions and we can tell you all about that and it's basically what we do is anything we can basically you would say it anything in the emergency line in our fire districts or in this county you can count on the fire departments it doesn't matter what it is if it's a tree to be cut a cat to get out of a tree or whatever we do it and if we can and some of it we can't others we can so we we try our best to help everybody we possibly can and uh, none of us get any money out of it. We are all volunteers, and uh, some of the departments do have paid people, but St. Lake and Kings Creek does not. So we don't have any paid people on our departments at all.
0: And so, how many departments are there in the county? There's ten. Okay, and the they're county, pretty spread out, so they cover most of the most of the county. Has yeah. a
2: they is uh, these three city departments, which is Jenkins, Neon. And Whitesburg, and then there's seven around in the county, out in the rural area. So that, and really, it wouldn't hurt. There's a place or two that actually needs another one. But right now, because there's a few dead, what we call a dead zone, that are you in a five miles, road miles from each each department determines your insurance rates and there's some areas in the county that is outside of that five mile range that means their rates are not as near as good as if they were in that range from iso which is the insurance service organization that sets the rates for your homeowner's insurance so that's one other thing we've been working on trying to work with the kentucky legislature to extend that to eight miles and we're going to be meeting with the State Park Commission uh, on, on the sixth of October. Hopefully, we can kind of convince them to help us with their endeavor to talk to the state legislature to help us do that, and then that would bring most of the dead zones out, and we, they'd all be covered.
0: And so, um, I'm. So so would that be for a statewide you'd be trying to get those it, expanded? Is that how that would It would work? have
2: to be statewide if it come through the legislature, which it has to do. It has to go statewide because all over the state of Kentucky it's five miles. But in other areas such as Lexington, Louisville and all those places, they have enough uh, taxation money to keep them going, and their departments are closer and they're, they're all with probably within right in that five mile range. Some of the rural counties, though, like Carter County and some of the other ones are like we are, and they're they're not covered. Yeah. So if if we get three miles added on, it would be a big, big difference.
0: Yeah. Well, I was going to ask a question about it seems like the role of fire departments is different in rural places than in a city and that they're real important maybe in a different way when people are spread out. I wonder if you have anything to say about About especially in a rural county,
1: um. rural firefighting, the population is spread, you know, real wide, and it takes us longer to get to some of these places. There's a lot of homes up these hollows and stuff, and there are narrow hollows, and it takes us a little longer to get up in there to, you know, get your trucks and stuff in and get set up. But city city firefighting, you know, it's it's more or less a zone. It's like, you know, bordered. Like city limits, and they can they maintain that well, but in rural firefighting, you know, we may have a fire today that may be eight miles from our station, and tomorrow we may have one that's one mile away from the station. So, it it it's just spread out so far, and we don't have the hydrants and stuff like city do. We don't have the hydrants and stuff, so we're automatically taking uh, water tenders or what we call tankers. We're taking those out and to support our water needs when we're doing rural firefighting. So city firefighting, I mean, it's a hard job no matter where you what you're, uh, you know, if you're city or rural, either way. But in rural firefighting, we run into a lot more obstacles than I think they do in the cities. Uh, we run into a lot more things that we have to overcome and adapt to quickly in order to get our job done. The biggest thing that
2: we do out here is uh, when, like Mike was talking about, on the water, we have a terrible time with water, especially now in my Kings Creek area. There's only three uh, hydrants that I can get water from. They're actually called flush outs, but they, they've got water in them and they're good. And the rest of my district has no hydrants at all. So I've got to manage to haul water to it or either to make a dam in the creek and and Pump water from the creeks or whatever, and and that's a innovation that Mike and I started, I guess, back in the 80s. That we learned how to take a tarp and throw it in the creek and put rocks on it and build a dam with a tarpaulin, and that way we can have water. There's a lot of things that we have we had to improvise because we don't we just don't have the water, and uh, uh, we have a we had a situation up on Little Canyon year before last that the woods were on fire and were really ready to burn a bunch of houses mm-hmm. and it was a very dry time it's not like it is now today and we had to shuttle water in a lot and we sat there what two days or three yeah. on that one run and uh, it was a matter of saving those people's homes up on uh, little county over just over the hill here so them's the kind of obstacles we run into and, uh, and it there's a lot more that we do run into like small bridges that can't is not carrying capacity for a truck Then that means you got to go back to a smaller a mini pumper is what we call them or something like that or just you just can't get there because the roads are not capable of handling it.
0: Well I wanted to ask more about how the volunteer fire departments work so you said everybody's volunteered and not paid so does that mean that you have a bunch of firefighters on call, who have other jobs, and they just have an understanding with their job that they have to be able to leave whenever. How does that logistic part of it work?
1: Well, we got this we right got,
2: here is the big thing. The,
0: can you describe what that is for? That's a pager. All right.
2: And all, all, all firefighters in the county basically has a a pager that can be paged out. And once the page goes out from 911, it goes. Then all everybody knows that page is going to whatever address is and then every firefighter knows which department is to work that area in other words if I get a page to come to uh, uh, County Community Center up on 931 South Mike knows where I'm going and if I need help all he all he does is holler do you need some manpower do you need tanker or do you need whatever then that's the way it works so we and and uh, but all, about all the members have the pagers and they knew exactly what was going on in that. And it's improved quite a bit. The paging system has got better in the last year, year and a half uh, because hazard, all of Air 911 goes through hazard and back to here. So that it has to be paged out. And a lot of times we will get a page that don't tell you everything. It may say, uh, go to. And stop right there and then we've got to wait for another page before we get anything because it'll they'll page us again shortly if we don't respond and that so that's the things you got to work with and you got to work with them it's not them it's
1: the radio waves that they are using but your question about the people working most all our volunteers has jobs and uh, some of them can some of them is has the capability of being able to leave and come and fight for us where others don't so we kind of we, we all our guys get together and we talk about it and we, we kind of figure who can come and who can't at any given point in time and uh, you know I've got a captain that works at uh, neon on the ambulance Mondays and Tuesdays so you can cancel him out automatically on Mondays and Tuesdays because he can't leave his job to come there's sometimes if they're not busy, they will come and show up and it will help. But a lot of times, most of the, most all the guys have got a job, and uh, you know they they can, like I said, some of them can get off, some of them can't. So we have to work around it, and that's another obstacle that we have to overcome to make sure that we've got. And that's that's the one great thing about this county is because we've got the mutual aid agreement. So you know if bills if bills just got two or three firefighters, it's actually able to go. He can call me, and I may have four or five that's extra that can go. And that's the way we've been doing it for years mm-hmm. and years, and it, it, it works out. It's not a perfect picture, but it works. Uh, it's a, it, It's really good that I know that
2: if I'm shorthanded, which I usually come up short-handed because I'm in a department that don't have... Actually, the way it works, a lot of my members belong to Lake a lot of sandlakes members belong to kings creek which is legal and that's the way we can actually keep a viable department you have to have 13, uh, 12 members and a chief in order to make a fire department certified so in order to do that it because it's real hard right now to get volunteers and the economy is really part of what's driving that because a lot of other people have had to leave here and is when they left I mean, we lost firefighters that would volunteer and help us. So that's one of the things that we're working to try to overcome. Mike is getting in uh, some younger people, and I've managed to get a couple of younger people in And uh, because it's, it's going to take the younger ones to keep this thing going, and that's what we're working toward right now.
0: So speaking of trying to get new people in, what is it, what's the training like, or how do people get involved if they wanted to? join a fire department
2: well well Mike is a trainer he can actually train firefighters and he can tell you exactly what
1: the state the state requires 150 hours and certain things in order to be eligible to be a certified firefighter Um, in return for that every year that same firefighter once he gets his 150 hours he has to maintain 20 hours per year of retraining and in order to stay qualified. Uh, we offer, at Sand Lake Fire Department, we offer Wednesday nights and Thursday nights. We offer training at both of both those nights uh, every week. And it's open to any firefighter in the county that wants to come to it. They're more than welcome. Uh, we also have state fire schools. Uh, you hear him mention the state fire commission a while ago. They, we have uh, areas, like everything else, it's all broke up in the areas and i think we're region hazard is 12. region 12. yeah right? so they have far they have it at Pikewell, they have it at hazard they have it at different places and at state uh... instructors they've got more equipment more knowledge more access i don't want to say as much more knowledge but they've got more access to training equipment. material that they can train with and they, you know when you go to a state forest school it's for a whole weekend friday saturday sunday uh you can get your 24 hours you know you can get all your research uh, once you uh, you know once you want to move on and you want to train higher it takes 400 hours to be a career firefighter um so you can get your 400 hours by simply going to forest schools coming to the training sessions that i and benny do you know on wednesdays and thursdays but you know there are cer- certain categories in this training that we can't teach as level two instructors. Uh, Their state qualified instructors has to teach those classes. So it takes a lot of our time, uh, which I don't I don't re- uh, regret any of my time that I spend. But it takes a lot of time f- to take a firefighter from zero to career. I mean, it may take two years, maybe three years to get him certified or her certified. You know to be ready to go and uh same with your ems uh you know you take your class you you become your emt your paramedic so on and you got you're required by state and k beams to keep up so many hours a year and emt level emt b you have to have 24 hours every two years so that's that you have to go i can't teach it but we've got friends that does and we go to a state far school like i said area 12 and they offer the uh be EMT researchers that you have to have to stay certified. Hmm.
0: Does
1: that answer your yeah. question?
0: Yeah, me? that's great. Um.
2: But now to actually be a certified firefighter, he can get it if he really wants to go to different training classes, he can actually get it probably within a year yeah. to be certified to be a firefighter. Hmm. Uh, but now like Mike said, on if you're going to be a 400 airman it takes two or, two or three years to get
1: you up to the 400 hours.
0: And what's the difference between a career firefighter and a the the two you just mentioned?
1: Well, a career firefighter, you know, that's the ones that uh, they might want to move away from here and get on like New York, uh, some of those and other, it's a job. It's yeah, like a paying position. Yeah, it's, it's position. a paying job. Mm-hmm. It's an everyday paying job.
0: I see.
1: Hmm. It's not, you know, it's not just a volunteer. I mean, I'm a 400 certified. Mm-hmm. Uh, in order to be a chief or a captain or any kind of officer, you have to be 400 certified. That's just the state policy, but like I said, you know, uh, if you're going to go off from here and get a career job with, like, with the cities, any city, even Whitesburg, I think they have to have their 400 hours. Well, I knew that; I know they do. But anytime you're on a paid fire department, you have to have your career. That's 400 hours.
0: I see. Okay. And what kinds of things does the training cover?
1: Well, it covers a lot of different uh, avenues. Mostly, it's a safety. Thing. it teaches you how to deal with uh like um, for instance swift water it it, it it uh building construction it teaches you how to learn how what how the buildings are constructed safe way of fighting far in those it teaches ropes and ladders it teaches you how to use ladders you know some of the big high ladders that you've got to climb to you know get the people out or whatever and uh, ropes that you got to learn to teach it just got like hazmat you got all different kinds of hazmat. In case you have a tanker, you know, wreck out here, how to handle that in a safe way without getting a bunch of people contaminated. It teach we we teach them how to evacuate so many mile radius in case you got a hazardous material. There's just so much stuff. You know, I couldn't really tell you everything, but it's it's a long, drawn out process. But it teaches you the safe way to stay alive and do your job efficient. You know, and get the, get the results that you need.
2: And the added thing now is the meth. The meth labs right now are a thing that we're all, uh, in other words, as a firefighter, we have to really be careful now. Mike, myself, and Chris Sexton, we were fighting a meth fire and it it got us. And uh, he put me in the hospital real heavy, first time in my life, and then now we gotta watch when we go to a car fire or a car wreck. First thing you gotta look for is is, is this car a rolling meth lab? In other words, they, they, they make mess so much and, and uh, pop bottles and all of that that when you go, you can't just like we used to, we could run up and open the doors and help everybody out. Now you gotta look in and make sure you're not dealing with something that can kill us or somebody around us before we do any action. It, it, it's just part of the game now, and we have to be very, very careful because it could kill a firefighter just like that.
0: Can you explain a little bit about the difference? Like, what is it about the the fire that you went to that put you in the hospital? What it's.
2: Well, it was, uh, it was a mobile home. Uh, I knew it was a, a meth house because we're in our fire district. We kind of watch what goes on. And when it exploded, that trailer exploded, it blew that part of that trailer probably 50 or 60 feet over the mountain. Okay, we were not even trying to put that out. All we were doing was fighting an exposure of uh, power lines and and basically we were just doing a mist spray. But we got a whiff, one one good breath. And uh, once you get that breath of... mixture that they use and according to my doctor whenever he got me in there i had battery acid uh, lithium battery acid in me i had rat poison i had uh, some kind of a i forgot some kind of drug that you buy a cold thing in me uh i can't remember what there's four or five different ingredients that was i had inhaled and it it just choked me to death i was i was in the hospital three days with it and uh, I wasn't over it I, for probably three or four months, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I mean I can't imagine myself putting anything like that in my body. But evidently they don't mind it. Whoever makes that stuff, and I know I sure don't like it, <laughs> and I know Mike. No, I think Mike's been on it twice.
1: Yeah, I got I got hospitalized twice, getting down on it. So, but when it's when you're exposed to it in large large volumes like that, you know when they're cooking it and it blows, and you get into it, you know, you, it really it really messes you up sometimes.
2: We we have a system now that at our department that the first thing I tell my men when we go to a car fire or we go to certain houses that we 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 really. I'm a guy that goes around and kindly of watches what's going on in my community and in my far district, and I pretty well know who's dealing in that stuff, and if we have something pertaining to that, going to or from that area, then I tell my people, you be very careful because we don't know what we're going to run up against here, and most people out in the regular community don't realize what a firefighter's danger is when he gets there, because if that lab if you have a fire in that lab hasn't exploded then it could explode any minute on us and and you know our men are more important to us than that fire is uh, the people's lives in it are, are very important but our firefighters are more important to us than trying to put that fire out we just want to contain hmm. if we know it's pretty close it's a meth lab hmm. and another thing is if we have, go to a meth fire now, and we get our turnout gear contaminated, we basically have to dispose of it, and that's three thousand bucks per man. Uh, it costs you three thousand dollars to suit up,
0: because of all those chemicals and things. Yeah, in the you fire. can't
2: decontaminate it. Mm. Uh,
0: Whereas at a normal fire, you can, right. you can reuse yeah, it. Right. Yeah,
2: you just have smoke and stuff like that at a normal fire, but they have they have put in a washer at Gorman Holler and Hazard that. Will take out most of the contamination, they say. But we don't. What part do they leave? If they're just taking out most, we don't know what part they don't take out. So you can't hardly trust putting a man back in a turnout gear that that you don't know what part's still in it that could kill him.
1: It's something that you know. Like I said, it's not only driving the truck down the road, spraying water. I mean, there's a lot of stuff goes on with with what the fire departments actually do that the public don't realize what we all do, but you know, it's a big family. To me all of it's a big family and you know, you protect your family and that's that's what we have to do. You know, we got your law enforcement, you got your EMS and you got your firefighters. We all we all have to work together on a scene in order to keep everybody safe.
0: You're listening to Mountain Talk on W M M T. I'm your host, Rachel Geringer, and in this episode, we're hearing from Sandlick Fire Chief Mike Ambergie and Kings Creek Fire Chief Bill Mead. Next, they'll talk about the funding crisis facing Letcher County Volunteer Fire Departments and what you can do to support firefighters in the county. Well, let's talk a little bit about the funding. So, how how are you funded, generally, and then what is going on with some of the... the you're working to try to increase funding because you don't have enough, is what well, I understand.
2: I'll start out and then Mike can finish. We get now we for years and years and years. The state bar commission gives us eleven thousand dollars. Now it used to be eight thousand two hundred and fifty, and I worked with the legislature for two or three years, and they they upped it to eleven thousand. What three year ago? Yeah. But out of that 11,000, you're restricted on what you can do with it. You're not allowed to, until this past year, we couldn't pay none of our insurance. We couldn't pay no power bill. You couldn't buy fuel. You couldn't do any of that. You had to buy a turnout gear or fire apparatus, building or something like that. You're restricted on everything, and which is not a bad idea. But after we got to 11,000, I went to uh, Bruce Roberts, who's a real nice guy with the park commission, and talked to him. and And uh, he got us worked with him for a couple of years. And now we can actually take out of eleven thousand. We can spend uh, twelve hundred on electricity a year, and we can spend thousand dollars on the internet, and we can spend two thousand dollars on insurance. But the rest of it still has to go back on trucks or whatever you're doing there. Uh, the county has always in the past give us $6,000 for insurance. Well, this year, uh, back in July, we talk, went to the county government and explained the dire situation we were in. And they up theirs 5000 so give us $11,000 a year. But at that, we're still coming up to operate my department, and I can tell you what it costs to operate his. It'll cost us in, right in the low 30s to operate so we're getting 22,000 we're coming up a little better than 10,000 underfunded and uh, so we have to get out and we'll do whatever roadblock or hot dog dinner or but you can only raise so much at one of those and I'm I'm doing a a bluegrass festival to help mine and uh, and Mike does, uh, He's he started bingo, so he can tell you more about that in a minute. But we just do anything we can do. We bum, we bag, we borrow. Uh, and I've got to give uh, the culture hub a big boost right here. Ben Fink, he came in and, and we got started into this thing. He's been a big help to me to get the bluegrass back going, which will help my department. Uh, he has been right on top of the game. We've got some good members in the culture hub that uh, we're, county is beginning to progress some with this culture hub. Uh, I'm pleased to death to work with them. And that, believe it or not, what they can help us raise actually helps our department survive. And in the winter, in December, every December since 2001, my department does a Christmas thing. And last year we gave away around thirty some thousand dollars worth of food, clothes, toys, and everything. And we've been doing that since two thousand and one. And hopefully this year we can do the same thing again. It really makes it tough. Last year hurt us real bad, really, because we had uh, was it Harvey that hit Texas, and a lot of the people that I deal with out of Georgia that helps me do this, a lot of their finance and a lot of their stuff. Went to Texas for that flood. This time I talked to him, and a lot of it's going to go to North Carolina. So I'm going to have to, I'm going to be coming up short again this year. But yet, if I can give $25,000, $30,000 worth of stuff away to help the people here in this county, I'm tickled to death. And it's something I've done, like say, since 2001. But I've done it through a church out of Calhoun, Georgia. And they're really good, they'll bring a tractor and trailer load. But I help them financially with, they have to have fuel, they have, to have everything in the world, and all of that. They'll bring in 25, 30 people to help us distribute that stuff. And we do it all in one day. We don't, so that's the things that I do. And, and now this coming up, October the 6th will be my big fundraiser for this year. And if, if you want to, we'll wait and talk a little bit more about that because that's going to be really important. Let Mike tell you what he does. Okay.
1: Okay, like he said, you know, the state allows us eleven thousand. Uh, the county government gives us eleven thousand. Uh, I'm uh, my group. We got bingo started back again. All my guys did. That brings us in some income, a little bit of income. It takes the pressure off us a little bit more than some of the other fire departments that don't have that kind of revenue coming in. Uh, like I said, it's a struggle. My my annual things about forty to forty five thousand dollar my budget. so you know you see we were coming up short. Uh, he mentioned my truck being down. we were looking at about a 10 grand repair and uh, not only that we had my other one was down too, but we've got it back going and it was a small it wasn't nothing much, you know, it just had a water pump go down it, which is a couple hundred dollars. But the biggest thing is you know we we set ourselves up, And we budget these budgets and stuff, and we try to stay on these budgets. But you never know what's going to come up just out of the blue. And, you know, it's just hard. And this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to figure out a way that we can get the public to understand what we do and maybe get on board with us and help us a little bit. Um, You know, try to get get these things situated where, you know, we're not having to sweat 24 hours a day bullets trying to figure out where the next dollar is going to come from. And like I said, I appreciate all the help we get from the state and the local government, but, you know, it, we're going to have to, you know, step up and say, okay, we're going to have to do something because without the fire department, the police department, the ambulances, you know, your county dead because, you know, you don't, have, you don't have no control over nothing. So it's so important that we get these people on board with us and get them to understand exactly what we do and what kind of shape these fire departments are in. We he talked about in July there when we went to the fiscal court and asked asked them for help, and they gave us an additional five grand to help us with our you know yearly budget. Uh, there was a couple of the fire departments that were ready to shut the doors right then, and you know if if they shut their doors down, uh, then one of the other fire departments has to pick up that slack, and then it's it's not only going to affect the next fire department close to them but it's going to affect all of the partner parts because we'll all have to be on high alert because of the fact that if he has to go, Bill has to go into another area to fight far then he's leaving his area vulnerable. So we've got to be at, you know, at making where we can roll at any time to help him in case he has an accident or something in his area. And vice versa with us, you know, co is making making, you know, usually helps us with a lot of the, you know, mutual aid. Coaching's a lot further out, but making helps us a lot. You know, like I help Bill a lot because we're closer to Bill than any of the other ones are, and it just works out. It's just a handover thing, and and like I said, if you know, we we need the people to understand and get to get to know us better. Uh, come in, ask questions, uh, learn how we work, and I know there's a myth that we get paid. We get paid nothing. This all comes out of you know the gas that I I use in my vehicle to go to the fars, to go to the meetings, to go to training and stuff. That comes out of my pocket. It don't come out of the fire department of funding. So we need the people to get on board and understand exactly what we do and how they can help us, you know, maintain. Me and Bill are getting up a little bit of age. We've got a lot of seniority and stuff, and we're trying to train the new guys how to do this proper. So what we're trying to do right now is we're trying to, to preserve the fire department's in this county so that our future, you know, and down in the future, you know, they've got coverage and they can still have far and, and ambulance coverage as they need.
2: Uh, to give you an example of what I brought up, it's a volunteer thing, and we've asked our county government to get an ordinance written up that if you want to pay your fire department in your district $50 a year, you don't have to do it. In other words, and we'll still come and fight you on fire. If you don't pay that $50, we're going to come and help you. No matter what happens to you, we're going to be there. But if you haven't paid, then we're going to send you a bill. But if you paid your $50, it won't cost you a dime a more. In other words, that's $4.50 a month. And, if you you know, that's a cart and a pop a month that you would be paying for fire protection or for amulet secure or whatever you do or a car wreck or in other words, and all and it's not we're not going to force anyone. I don't believe in forcing people to pay anything. But if we want we'd love for our judge and our fiscal court to go ahead and get started with this ordinance, get it written up, and all it would do is if you prefer if you want to pay fifty dollars a year for your fire department protection, then you can pay it. Then you're covered for that twelve months. And if not and we do have to come to you and help you, then we will send you a bill, and it could be expensive because if, if Mike and, uh, say, I take out two engines and a tanker to a far, that could cost you probably 2500 bucks. because that's about what it would cost us in the long run. And if you look at it and you're sending out a half-a-million-dollar far truck and a $150,000 tanker and a $150,000 another pumper, You're looking at a million dollars worth of equipment working for three or four hours, and that's cheap. If you take any million-dollar piece of equipment and work it that long, it would probably cost you ten thousand dollars ordinarily, because that's high-dollar stuff. And that's what most people don't understand is the price of stuff in a part department. Uh, This, for instance, uh, a par engine. A good par engine now is no less than three hundred and fifty to four hundred thousand dollars. Uh, a tanker, the same thing. Mike's got a tanker right there that uh, I, right now would cost you a good what, seven hundred thousand. Probably. And uh, right now, and if you look at all of that, then if you got, got to buy, if you burn a hose or if you had a hose burst, while you're looking at another two or three hundred bucks, uh, gloves for your men, uh, this turnout gear. Uh, SCBAs, your self-contained breathing apparatuses. Uh, You're looking at $3,000 each for those. You're looking at the gloves, a good pair of gloves is a hundred bucks. It's just, I mean, there's so many things, you. no mex mask they gotta wear. All of this stuff that you gotta have, and if you get a water pump to pump water with, you're looking at three or $4,000 just for a water pump, one. And you gotta have two or three uh, and then, if you got generators to help, they're a thousand to fifteen hundred each. And we keep two or three of those on hand alone. And everything is expensive. And somewhere that money has to come from, these, these people won't give it to us. I can tell you that. So, we've we got to get funding for it. And it takes years to build up to be a fire department like Mike's is. Or I, I, I'm proud of ours, our building is valued at $760,000 right now. So that had to come from somewhere. Fortunately, my family was able to help with a lot of that. And the building is paid off. We don't owe a dime on it. And uh, all, everything we only owe on one little truck. And so we're we're decent shape, but other than just paying normal power bills and all in your internet bills and stuff like that so it's so expensive but i wish the people would actually step up and say i think we can send them 50 bucks in in this district and i'm hoping that the fiscal court will actually start getting the ordinance written up and uh, i think we need to meet with them shortly and again and see if we can't talk them into getting on the ball and getting it done
0: it seems to me like it's real unfortunate there's not a there's not better funding from
2: Somewhere. local,
0: state, federal, something because because the the people who depend on those services might not be able to afford it, right? And so it, I know you all know this well, but it just seems like you all are put in a rough situation where th- these are really necessary things we need in communities for communities to be able to stay safe and then to be able to not be able to afford just to keep something so crucial as a fire department running is
2: and to let the people know where that eleven thousand dollars comes from, from the state Far commission, there's a five tenths of one percent tax on your homeowners insurance in the state of Kentucky, and that was put on there to go strictly to park departments. But it has got politicized. Uh, they buy the park commission buys new pickup trucks, they buy new jeeps, they hire uh, two or three hundred people to work and you only get one check a year, and that's their only thing that that is to, was supposed to do was that five-tenths of 1% tax was supposed to be divided up equally between every department. But they have got it, and it's so politicized that I can hurry Aunt Jane over here to do nothing and give her a big check of 100000 a year because they take in between 57 and $60 million a year in the Park Commission on that tax. And if they would divide that equally Mike and I wouldn't even have to be here right now we would be drawing enough from the State Park Commission to keep us viable and, and up to go but if, and it's not the people's fault that are working there I don't I don't mean that at all it is the politicians that allow it to go on and it started it used when it first started out we had two people working in the park Commission for those checks two. I, the last time I got the book on them, there was 160 to do the same job. And they moved it around, and they politicized it so bad that there's everything in the world being <clears throat> bought out of that money mm-hmm. instead of putting it where we really need it. And that's that's something that people in the county needs to know. I, I'm wanting to get with our state representative and our state senator and let them step in there and see what's going on in that fire commission and let's see if we can't get it kind of back to where it's supposed
1: to be. I just like Bill said. We love our community. We believe in our community. We believe in our county. We believe in our state, and we believe in our country. But still, yet yeah, we we feel like that sometimes. You know, we get left behind a little bit in the shuffle. And like, you know, like I said, my thing is I love I love doing what I do. I've been doing it for a long time, and yeah, I do volunteer my time to do it. But I got a great bunch of people. Bill's got a great bunch of people standing behind him, fighting for and stuff. So the county is the county is really fortunate that we've got this many volunteers that actually love to do what they do, and they will leave their families in bed and get up at four o'clock in the morning, no matter if it's just a simple, you know, car over the hill, no one hurt, or if it's a, you know, one it's four or five fatalities or whatever. We don't care. We get up. We go do it and when we're over with we talk about it we go back home next week we train on it and that's how you learn is it? you know I'm big on education I'm I've always been a big uh, fanatic on education because I believe people won't know anything until you educate them so that's kind of the reason I'm here today and Bill we're, we're trying to educate the people to what we're facing what we're up again you know we take and let hope that they've got some solutions that they can come in with. Uh, your county government, you know, they're helping us as much as they can. State, like I said, they're doing what they can, I guess. And and But we need the public to stand up, the people that are in our areas, and say, get involved and say, what can we help do to help you all generate the, the finances in order to keep the gas in the truck, keep the trucks running, keep the equipment on the guys' backs. Uh,
2: and, I'm going to explain to her the thing that you're doing right now. That's real important.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I wanted to ask about the training. Is that what you're about to talk yeah, about? Mm-hmm. and then also your um, bluegrass fundraiser. Yeah. let's talk about those two things before okay, we okay. We're going to talk
2: here. about what Mike's going to start now, and I'm going to okay. I'll lead him into it, and then he knows what he's going to do. All right. If you at Columbine and in Florida, the shootings in those places, uh, 35% of those people died because they bled out. They they just bled out. No the one there that knew how to stop the bleeding and to do it. So Mike took some training and some stuff This two or three weeks ago at Hazard State Fire Training, and it's called Stop the Bleeding Program. And he's going to start teaching this, how we can do that, because the Army, the military can do it, and used to the firefighters were not allowed to inject anything into a person's body. But now under this system they can't we don't know when it will have i hope and pray it never happens in electric county we don't know when it will but not only that it don't have to be a mass shooting it can be a car wreck where you're bleeding to death and that's what mike is going to get into Is teaching everywhere in the school systems and everywhere how that you can stop that bleeding he's going to get by the uh, equipment to do the training and it's going to be stationed at Sandlick. lake and all of that will be going down, and basically, Sandlick will be the, the hub of this bleed-out program. I'm sure it will. We'll move it out in other stations as the funding comes and all of that. But he's mainly going to be the trainer of how to do that, and he can explain exactly how that works.
1: I got I got some more boys out there that is going to be teaching it also with me, and uh, we're going we're going to try to get it out there to the people how to stop bleeding, and uh, used to tourniquets when you know you put a tourniquet on someone they lost that limb, like an arm or leg or whatever they have came out with some new tourniquets and stuff, and these tourniquets now are like two hours before it starts damaging, as he said used to, if you had a large gas, gunshot wound or whatever we couldn't pack that wound with gauze and stuff, they've come out now with the gauze that's got medication on it that helps clot the blood and stuff, so they're letting us do it now and stop its bleeding, if it's a life-threatening injury, that we can go ahead and pack that wound, and we can put the gauze down in the wound and stop the bleeding and stuff. And it's going to be a big, I think it's going to be a, a hit because it's something that will help save lives. You know, just like Bill said, God help if we ever have a shooting in a school or, or a mass casualty bus wreck or anything happens out there in, in Letcher County that is going to require... A lot of bleeding control. Hopefully, me and Charles and some of the boys out there can get us get enough people educated that so we can have those people educated to save lives. Because I don't want to lose one person. And like he said, it's thirty-five percent of the people bled out in the school shootings. I understand a lot of them are still under evacuation and stuff like that. They couldn't get in there to them. But if we can, if we can get the people educated inside this, like in the schools. Uh, we can get the bus drivers educated on how they can do it. Uh, the we teachers, the teachers, the police, the uh, you know anybody and everybody, church groups. Because let's face it, we've uh, we've had a lot of sh- uh, church shootings. Uh, I've done been approached by a couple of churches and was asked would I come in and teach it to them on and we uh, were to talk about the culture hub. We were over to Carcassonne last night. Mike Caudle. I was asking would I come and help them out and teach them. And, you know, that's, like I said earlier, I'm, I'm big on education. I believe if you educate people, if you know how to do something, you're going to be more apt to do it. If you don't know anything about it, you're going to stand back. And I'm the type of person, I love to educate. That's why I, I teach FAR. That's why I teach anything I can teach. I teach. Years ago, we, we started a program. We went into the schools and talked to kids in kindergarten. That we were having outrageous amount of of home for us. and we went into the kindergartens and talked to the kindergarten kids and explained to them gave them little coloring books and stuff and explained to them take these home show mom dad you got to have a safe play two way in you know way in way out and all that and our fires dropped it's you know dropped. by educating the the youth and still to this day i'm i'm up there in age i'm a little over 21 but I still have kids that went to school years ago that comes up and say, Hey, I remember you. you taught us far school when I was in kindergarten, first grade. So it stays with people. And education, you know, I'm big on education. Um, I've got a college degree. My son's my son's an attorney. He's got all kinds of degrees. So I'm big on education. I think uh, if we educate people and they know what they're doing, they're more apt to do it. And that's, that's what the Stop Bleeding program is. And I think it's going to be a great asset. Uh, we also do CPR and first aid training, uh, Charles and I. So what we're this is going to come into, you know, like hand in hand with the first aid because if they're bleeding out and they blood down a lot, we get it stopped and they go into cardiac arrest or into some kind of shock or something, we can go ahead and start CPR. So this it, the whole thing works, you know, hand in hand. And I'm really anxious to get this up and going uh, we we're acquiring the funding for it now, and I think it's pretty much uh, going to happen. So I'm anxious to get out of here and, and and get this out there in the public to teach the people how to stop the bleeding and uh, teach them CPR. You know, we'll have a little a little fee for the CPR and stuff like that, but and all that's doing is buying the cards for the CPR cards. Uh, we'll, we'll be replenishing not, the gauze. Yeah, it's not going to be no outrageous, you know, five, ten dollars, something, you know, something like that, and it replaces the tools that we use, like the cards, and it replaces uh, the mannequins, you know, giving them stay, uh, cleaving them, sanitized. It replenishes the gau- gauze and so on for the stop bleeding program. But you know, it's it's a thing that I want to get out there that may save someone's life. Let's say, for instance, I taught you how to do it. And you walk downstairs and somebody's in the kitchen, they slice their arm wide open and they've they're got arterial bleed. You know how to stop that now, you know, because I just taught you how. And it's just like anything else. It's like learning to walk and talk and swim. Once you learn something, you've always got that there. You may get a little rusty on it and forget a few things, but the general big thing, it's gonna come back to you. And now, well,
0: tell tell us about your bluegrass concert coming uh, okay, up, and then we, we got, should probably wrap up here.
1: Okay, on October the
2: sixth, like we started out, I've got to have uh, I'm gonna have Sunrise Ridge, Wheel Caudle, and uh, Highway Seven, uh, will be there, and uh, it's only gonna be a two band unit, but it's gonna be a big one because we're gonna be there quite a while. We're gonna be cooking. We're gonna have food but we got to sell it because we can't afford to give it away this time we in the past we have given the food away and it was free to get in but this time it's eight dollars to get in uh, the fire commission people are going to be there with us that's one of the things that we want them there so they can see what we have to do to keep us functioning and I think maybe we can get a few eyebrows raised that said oh well, we didn't know y'all had to do this kind of work just to buy fuel and buy parts and all this so it's going to be a real good show. It's going to be at uh, Kings Creek Park Apartment in the Community Center part. It uh, will be October the sixth. It will start. The music start at six o'clock. Uh, we will be there probably all day. And if anybody wants to come out and join us during the day, we'd be tickled to death with them. And uh, but anyway, when they stay for the festival part and the music that night, we would love to see them. And we'll take more than eight dollars. And we'd love for the candidates to come out too. Uh, I think the candidates that are running for office in this county need to see what we're doing. They need to learn. Some of them are, and, I, and I, I'll not call the names because that could cause some confusion, but uh, we have one fellow that's really stepped up to the plate, and he's doing things that I, I never dreamed would be done to help the fire departments, and uh, I'm pleased to death for that. And if they'll all show up, I'm going to charge them a little extra in order to get to talk, So, but it will go to a good cause. So, yeah. We want all the candidates to come out, and we will welcome them, and uh, we'll treat them with utmost respect. No matter what political party or affiliation you're with, uh, we take no sides. But we want them to be there, and uh, I think that we can raise some money. That will help us keep going.
0: Well, tell us, too, if people want to come out and support your fire department, they can come to Bingo, right?
1: Yeah. We have bingo every Friday night at uh, the fire department there. Starts at seven o'clock and usually over with by ten thirty, you know, quarter eleven. Uh, we encourage anybody who wants to come, feel more than free to come. Uh, we we're trying, like like Bill said, we're just trying different avenues in order to keep the doors open. And uh, I wish every fire department had some kind of backup revenue coming in. Ours is small, but still, yeah, it it, it keeps keeps us sustained and uh, I wish all fire departments had some kind of backup if they did we probably wouldn't be doing this today but, but like I said I but would I just, do enjoy it yeah I do <laughs> too but I what I mean I want to say before we close I encourage everyone in Letcher County that's hearing this today to come and ask the fire departments how can we help you know I know right now like I said finances you know economy's down people can't afford Do stuff, some you know that can, you know, they need to come in and say, Okay, let's just give you so much, and maybe that'll help. Like Bill said, a volunteer, but I'd like to everybody just come in, come up and talk to us, firefighters. You see us all over the county, it's Mountain Heritage Weekend, of course, it'll be over with before this is aired, probably, but still, yet you know, you see firefighters out there with shirts and stuff on, or you see us on far scenes and stuff, ask us questions, we'll be more than glad to. You know, we won't snap at you. We won't tell you get back. We're all good old boys. We're just, you know, when when we're and girls and girls. uh, But what I'm saying, when we're when we're actually fighting for, or we're actually working on a car wreck or something, you know, we're probably not as outgoing as we are when when it's over with. You know, when we're when we're working on a scene, we're serious. I mean, we're we're 100. We got no time. We ain't got time to chit chat or do anything. But actually, it's all said and done. We go back to the station. If anybody wants to come back out, talk about it. You know, we can't tell you who the names of the people are because of the HIPAA, but we will talk to you and and, uh, laugh and cut it. We can have a good time.
2: And we appreciate WMMT for allowing us to do this today, and I know Mike does. Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: Well, thank you both so much for coming in here, and thanks for all your work to keep people safe in the communities.
1: Thank you.
2: We thank you, Rachel. You're one fine lady. Oh, thank you.
0: (laughs) That's it for this episode of Mountain Talk. We were joined in the studio by Sandlick Fire Chief Mike Ambergy and Kings Creek Fire Chief Bill Mead. They talked about the many public services that volunteer fire departments provide in Letcher County, the funding crisis that they're facing, and the unique role that volunteer fire departments play in rural communities. Music on this episode was Gary Brewer and Philip Sexton with Fire on the Mountain off of their June Apple recording. If you'd like to hear this or previous episodes again, you can find them on our website at wmmt.org. Or, download Mountain Talk as a podcast on SoundCloud and Stitcher. I've been your host, Rachel Geringer, and from all of us at WMMT, thanks for listening to Real People Radio.